Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Guess who's back? Back again. That's right. It's Mike and Mo back in the saddle. Episode 43. Whoa, Mo, where have you been, my man? Because I have missed your face. You you should have because you know uh, we're we're like peanut butter and jelly. But anyway, um, I've been in a cave, uh, in a cave somewhere in uh, Europe. But uh, no, I'm kidding. I actually just busy. Yeah. Uh, it's all been Raiders. It's been NBA, as you as you guys know. I, I mean, I write for Bleacher Report, and they've got me working like a like a workhorse. Like Adrian Peterson worked for the Minnesota Vikings for the past I don't know decade. Mm-hmm. But it's been good. Like, I get to cover NBA. I'm over here covering college basketball. I wasn't too happy about the tournament, but that's uh, neither here nor there. We won't talk about that yet. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I just actually released my predictions on the NBA playoffs. A lot of people disappointed in my pick because uh, in the past I've kind of been anti-LeBron James. Not anti-LeBron James, but just anti-Cleveland. I like the way the Golden State Warriors were flowing and what they were doing, but... Not to give it away, but you might be surprised about my prediction. I have a couple of surprises, though. We'll talk about that. But I mean, Mike, what, I, I'm hearing you're you're, in, you're involved with soccer now. Yeah. You're... You know, besides from you know getting locked down by the misses, you know, finally. Uh, yeah, Mike is Mike is now doing a show for two. No, he's not pregnant. People, <laughs> he's married. Yes, yeah. The, the the good woman of my life finally locked me up, so I am uh, I am officially a Mister. Uh, although I think I might have been before that, uh, but the the we'll see about that. The jury's still out. But yeah, I'm working with Orlando City, Orlando City soccer team currently, uh, riding a four and one record on the season. Tomorrow, going to be uh, facing off against the LA Galaxy, so that'll be a, a, an interesting matchup here in beautiful Orlando. Uh, but yeah, it, it's been fun. It's been interesting. It's been it's been a wild ride, but uh, there's no place I'd rather be. But with here and you, me and you doing the podcast for everybody out there and uh, the beautiful people of Believe Land, as, uh, as you know, I've always loved you, everybody in uh, Northeast Ohio. Stop lying. Are you doing this already? You're going for the cheap pop already? The first episode yep. back, episode 43, we yep. come back and you're already sucking up to the table. Hey, got to do, do what you got to do. I mean, you know, don't hate, appreciate, you know what I'm saying? Some things never change. Like, nope. I thought Mike would come back and be less obnoxious. <laughs> That's blatant with his sucking upness. No, and, you thought wrong. Here we go. No. Five, ten minutes into the episode, and we're back to square one again. Hey, baby, can't change a zebra stripes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and anywho, uh, back to business, as they would say. Uh, mm-hmm. NBA playoffs. Oh, now, yeah. I'm not gonna give away my prediction, even though I kind of hinted at it in the beginning. But we're gonna break it down because Saturday starts the playoffs. Obviously, as you know, LeBron James and the Pacers. Will be the first game up. Of course, that's not the first game on the document, but we'll skip over that for now. Cleveland and the Pacers. Who you got, Mike? Obviously, I before you even answer, before you even talk. All right. I know people are coming down on Cleveland because they haven't played well. There's something like 12 and 15 in the last 27 games. Mm-hmm. I get it. They're the number two seed. Boston's the one seed. Everyone's panicking. LeBron James is crying. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Cleveland's falling apart. Not so much. Um, Indiana just woke up in the last, I don't know, three weeks. Yeah. Paul George is still the best player on that team, but he can't carry it by himself. I understand Lance Stevenson is back. I want to see Lance Stevenson blow LeBron's ear again. See, um, I think Indy uh, takes one game, and maybe uh, in Indy, 
if anything, but Cleveland is going to win it in five pretty handily, pretty easily, and people are going to see that the Cleveland Cavaliers are okay. They'll be okay in the postseason. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Five for sure. A hard five. You know, I won't say it's going to be a walkover, but let's be honest. Sorry, everybody in Indy, Laura, uh, it's going to be uh, – this is it for, for Paul George. He is gone. He is going to be in the, in the gold and purple of the Los Angeles Lakers next year. So uh, I hate to break it to you, but that's going to happen. Uh, he's going to opt out as soon as he gets beat. Uh, but, you know, again, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. It, it's the reigning NBA champions. And we, we don't appreciate just how great this team and how great LeBron James is. And I know it's, it's, it's so easy to dismiss, but if he goes to his seventh straight NBA Finals, and let that marinate for a minute, seven years in a row going to an NBA Finals, only Bob Cousy has ever done that with six consecutive appearances back with the Celtics in the 50s and the 60s. I mean, this guy is doing something that is unheard of, remarkable. I mean, he's just on another planet. So everybody that is just putting all this pressure on this guy, I mean, really? Like, there is no pressure on this man. The only pressure he has is on himself. So I'm rooting for him. I hope that he can will his team to getting back to the finals. It's not going to be as easy as it has in the past. And, you know, we all talk about that switch that Cleveland has been able to turn on in the past. More than likely, they will. I don't know if it's going to basically correlate itself to an NBA Finals championship again, but I, I do see them getting their mo. Uh, we agree on something for once, mm-hmm. and I, I can tell this is, must be a new era in our uh, podcast because <laughs> we are lockstep on this. Yeah. I think people just despise greatness. Yeah. You know, when you're really good and you're not um, in the in crowd, let's say, you know, when the Lakers were winning and the Lakers were great and they were winning titles with Kobe Bryant, everyone hated the Lakers, Mm -hmm. you know, except people in L.A. who were Lakers fans. So if you're not part of the greatness, if you're not cheering for the greatness, then you're against it and you hate it. And that's what LeBron James is and what the Cleveland Cavaliers are now. And as you said, it could be seven straight finals. Now, people are going to always – Link him to Jordan to kind of minimize his accomplishments. But what I'm saying to you is this is a guy that came back 3-1 in the NBA Finals, which has never been done. Mm-hmm. And he's by the time he's done playing, I don't want to compare him to Jordan, but he's going to go down obviously as one of the greatest ever. And now that we're in the moment we're watching, we're, we're nitpicking every little thing. Oh, he's too whiny. Oh, he needs all of this help. Oh, this, this, that. But – Let's slow down, people. He's great. They're going to win the series in five. As you said, I, I hope Paul George doesn't go to the Lakers because that would make me nauseated to no end. I, I don't want to see the Lakers flourish with Paul George. I, I understand he's from California. Mm-hmm. I get it. And he's not totally happy with the way Pacers did things at trade deadline. I believe he yeah. said that he wanted to be more involved in the talks with the transactions and stuff of that matter. So I understand he's not happy. And a five-game a five game series or even a sweep will probably push him out of Indiana, which I feel bad because I, don't. I think Indiana Indiana would have had a pretty good team and maybe next year if they if they stick that nucleus together for another year. I, I actually had them being a 2-3 seed this year, and obviously they're disappointed and underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But I think it's because you, you brought in some new parts. Lance Stevenson is back now. He came late this season, yes. But I think if you keep that nucleus together, they could be a pretty good team. It's just that people now are so impatient because you got the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers basically dominating the NBA stage. And now you got players saying, okay, I need to collude with other good players so we can win now. And they don't want to wait until everything meshes together and 
build chemistry and stuff of that nature. So I would feel bad for Indy losing Paul George simply because then Laura would have to go to the games mm-hmm. and watch in the, in the nosebleed seats and watch a losing team probably win about, I don't know, meh, 28 games. Yeah, give or take. Because he, he is their star player. Without Paul George, the Pacers are nothing. Yeah. So if he leaves, that's the end of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not the Miami Heat. I mean, Larry Bird is not Pat Riley. And, and quick thing, I, I didn't like the head coaching move when they got rid of Frank Vogel. I didn't like the switch to Nick McMillan. Uh, he he had the Portland Trailblazers, I believe, on the cusp of a playoff uh, berth. I believe they had the eight seed one year. Mm-hmm. But I don't look at him as a as a game changer, as a great coach. Yeah. I think they they took a step down when they went from Vogel to McMillan. So for sure, again, feel bad for Indy, but they're going down. And you're probably right. George is probably going to leave, even though I don't want him to leave. But he's probably gone. Well, I don't feel bad for Indiana. They get what they deserve. You fired Frank Vogel. You stuck him with the Orlando Magic, and they had one of their worst seasons in the history of their franchise. So thanks a lot, Indiana. But, uh, Mo, is there a reason why you skipped over the 1-8 game, or is that just blatant disrespect for the people of Boston? Yeah, I, I skipped over the 1-8 game simply because even though Boston is the one seed, we all know the Cleveland Cavaliers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. That's Let's not kid ourselves here. Um, seating means absolutely nothing. You think Cleveland's playing for seating? Let's be honest. It means more to the Boston Celtics. I do like their coach, uh, Stevens, Brad Stevens, but, you know, they're still second rate to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But in breaking down this series, I, I actually have Boston winning in a sweep simply because oh. Chicago, they had some implosions throughout the year. You had players, I believe, sitting out or not wanting to play or, basically just disrespecting Fred Hoiberg during the season. What makes you think in a high-pressure situation they're going to all pull together, Rondo, Jimmy Butler, and, and Dwayne Wade, and all of a sudden give Boston a, a run for their money? I'm seeing a lot of analysts say, well, you got some veteran leadership on Chicago. They could put it together and give Boston a run. And I'm saying, look at the chemistry, guys. Like, I mean, look, just look at their season. They, they couldn't pull it together through 82 games. What makes you think they're going to pull it together over the next four, five, six, seven games? It's just not going to happen. Dwayne Wade's going to try to empty the bucket. Rondo isn't what he was when he was with Boston when he won a title. And Jimmy Butler is great, but you just have three good players. You don't really have a good team. So Boston in a sweep. Yeah, it's an absolute mess in Chicago, and uh, they have to be happy that the Brooklyn Nets played absolutely no one in their final regular season game to, uh, you know, not let the Miami Heat, who were on a tear into the playoffs. So Miami's got to be a little bit PO'd. But uh, looking at this Boston team, I think it's going to go six. Um, I, I, I just, there's just something about it. I don't know if it's Isaiah Thomas that he's five foot nine. I just can't buy into this guy yet. I'm sorry, Mo. Uh, again, they're going to win this series. I don't know if it's Dwayne Wade's 166 career playoff games, which are more than the entire roster of the Boston Celtics. But uh, I think the old man just pulls a little bit of father time out of his hat. Uh, remember, last last playoffs, the guy was 7 for 44 uh, in the regular season for behind the three-point line, and in the first round of the playoffs, went 12 for 23. So it's very possible that this guy can light it up. Uh, not enough to win the series because the cast of characters around him is not enough, even though Jimmy Butler is one of the you know the most you know electrifying guys in the NBA. But uh, I, I just think I think you know they'll give a little bit of a fight and take a little starch out of Boston. Uh, and you know Boston, like you said, is the number one seed. Doesn't really matter much to Cleveland. Uh, and I think going further that you know. 
possibly playing an older veteran team like the like the Bulls in the first round uh, may, might have been something that Cleveland did not want to face uh, right off the get. The funny thing about that Cleveland-Chicago thing is that Chicago, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they swept the Cavs yep. during the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's pretty interesting to note. But, again, when it comes to Boston-Chicago, it, it, coaching matters. And I, Fred Hoiberg has tried to put that team together. He's tried to kind of change that grinder-type um, mentality that Tom Thibodeau left behind and try to speed up the pace, kind of like what the Pacers try to do with um, with McMillan. But it's just not working. It is just again, you have three really good players, but it just doesn't seem like they play together. Now one of them could go off, Butler could go off, Dwayne Wade could go off. We all know Rondo can't shoot, so no. he'll probably get distribute. Uh, you know, just distribute the basketball. But the other two guys could potentially go off. But is it enough? Because Boston plays pretty good defense and Chicago not being a, a very high scoring team but Dwayne Wade finding a three point shot could be interesting but still I just don't see it happening Brad Stevens is a way better coach than Fred Hoiberg and Boston Celtics have just a better roster than the Chicago Bulls and I don't see Chicago winning a series I see that team imploding uh, players going their own way Rondo may end up on his eighth team whatever it is whatever the number is hopefully Chicago can keep Jimmy Butler happy because Again, you hate to see players like Jimmy Butler and Paul George leave teams and then watch them just fall into obscurity. Uh, I think Chicago made a lot of mistakes. I mean, number one was bringing in Rondo. Number two was dangling Jimmy Butler out in trade talks. That To me, that was just, you know, why would you do that to your best player? And then Dwayne Wade, uh, giving him this lucrative deal at the end of his career because he wants to play in, you know, in front of his own fans. I think it was a mistake on his part and Chicago's part bringing him in. I think that team is pretty much going to have to start over after they get swept. Boston wins. They move on to the second round. But we'll talk about some uh, more competitive series in the Eastern Conference. Toronto, Milwaukee. Not too high in Milwaukee. I really like Toronto. I really like what they did when they brought in Serge Ibaka. Took him from Orlando Magic. Yep. Um, <laughs> Toronto is actually the team, I think, that has the best shot at beating the Cleveland Cavaliers because of Serge Ibaka, because of that team already had the scoring backcourt with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Now you add an inside presence, kind of like a third wheel, kind of like what Serge Ibaka was with the Thunder when he had Durant and Westbrook to an extent. But I think that team is going to have the best possible chance to beat the Cavaliers. I think they take care of the Bucks in five, six games. I'll go with five games. Uh, the Bucks again, they played well through March. I believe they were 14-4 and four through March, but then they kind of struggled in April before they got into the playoffs. But they played, you know, that March stretch kind of got them in. But again, uh, I like J.C. Kidd as a head coach, but Toronto just has enough talent. They have more than enough talent to get themselves past Milwaukee in about five games. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give Milwaukee one game at home. Uh, and it's just amazing to me how quickly everyone forgets that Toronto was two wins away from reaching the NBA Finals last year. I mean, they were that close to, to beating the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we just dismissed that. And like you said, they got that much stronger. And let's not forget that they acquired P.J. Tucker uh, from the Phoenix Suns, who gives them a, a reliable outside shooter. And, you know, uh, this is just a team on the upswing. If the, You know, depending on what's going to happen with Serge, if they're going to re-sign him next year, that, that, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. But obviously, Serge wanted to go there, wanted out of Orlando, understandably so, the dumpster fire that is 
the magic, <laughs> and uh, he got his way, and this team is on the upswing. You know, we'll, we'll see how uh, Kyle Lowry plays now that he's back at 100% after that wrist, and, you know, they're firing on all cylinders, but, yeah, they, they've, they've got a great first-round matchup, and it'll be interesting to see once they have to face off in that rematch against the Cavs in the second round. Mark my words, if, if it is, and I think it will be Toronto and Cleveland in the second round, that series is going to go seven games. Oh, yeah. Now, will Cleveland lose? I'll say this. If Cleveland struggles with the Pacers, let's say they go seven, six, seven games with the Pacers, then I would give, I would actually give the edge to Toronto to beat the Cavaliers in the second round. And now that sounds crazy because the Cavaliers have been wildly successful. But you have to understand what the Toronto Raptors front office did. You mentioned it. They brought in P.J. Tucker. To kind of, and I think I view P.J. Tucker as another defender to go along with Amari Carroll. Now, what you have to do, once you lose to a team, especially the Cavaliers who became the eventual champions, you have to build your team to beat that, that winning team. Whoever won the NBA Finals, whoever beat you last year, you have to build up your team to combat that. And I mm-hmm. think they did. They, they weren't enough pieces to do that. Again, P.J. Tucker and Amari Carroll's already there. They brought in Serge Ibaka, who can help on both ends of the court. So I think Toronto, if Cleveland has problems with Indy, let's say Toronto gets past Milwaukee in four or five games and Cleveland takes maybe six, seven, I would give the edge to Toronto in that second-round series. Now, again, sounds crazy. I'm going on a limb with that, but keep an eye on Toronto. They're my team to watch in this uh, Eastern Conference playoff series, first-round matchups all going down. I think Toronto is the team you want to look at as a possible representative out of that conference. Sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But Serge Ibaka is a big-time player. Our friends in the North, Mo Moten, has got love for you tonight. Don't forget that. Of course, Canada loves me. Maple syrup, Canadian bacon. Come on, let's be serious. (laughs) The 4-5 matchup. One of the the series I think that has got a lot of possibilities, some intrigue to it, is going to be the Washington Wizards uh, and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, You know I had to bring that back for you, Mo. I really like the I like the matchup here. I, I you got John Wall who is a sleeper MVP candidate, Bradley Beal who signed that ginormous contract in the offseason, shook off You hated on him. Oh yeah, well, absolutely because especially when there was talk that he could have gone to the Knicks, but he proved me wrong. Shook off those health concerns that you know had a had a career year. Uh, they got a really good supporting cast around them who actually got better and better and I think a lot of that had to do with Scott Brooks the head coach. Uh, he coached them look to their best season since 1978-79. And yes, this team should win this series but again Dwight Howard if he wants to have any kind of legacy has to get this team out of the first round because as we know he was not able to do much in his time with the Magic and the Rockets and the Lakers and this and that so you know it'll be interesting Uh, John Wall versus Dennis Schroeder uh, shouldn't be much of a matchup. Wall should carve him up, but Schroeder's got some potential. So uh, I see this one going, going six. I, I like the Wizards. I know, Mo, you said that your sleeper team could be Toronto, but mine is the Wizards, so put that down on the book. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going with my Toronto your Wizards when it comes to sleepers, but I like I like the Wizards in this series as well. I think actually this series could go six. Toronto, I mean, Toronto. Atlanta actually struggled. I know they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers without any of their starting players in the lineup, yeah. I believe, in April, a week or two ago. But Atlanta, I don't I don't know what it is, but they're just super lukewarm to me. Oh, yeah. I, I look at Atlanta, and it's like, that's a team that is consistently good. I believe they've been in the playoffs the last, I don't know, seven, eight years. I, I could be wrong about that, actually. Nine years they've been in the playoffs, and it's just they never make any noise. They always get... Either they get bumped out in the first round 
Or to go to descendings and they lose. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I, Atlanta Atlanta has trouble scoring consistently. They don't have that one go-to guy. And what, what's funny for them is that they, they finished in the bottom third in offensive efficiency. But the Washington finished in the bottom third in defensive, defensive efficiency for the season. So this could be a really interesting season to watch because you have to wonder – which is the which is the one side of the ball? What team is gonna is gonna step it up a notch in the playoffs? And we honestly don't know. Usually in those situations, the best players carry the series, mm-hmm. and we all know from both teams the best player in the series is John Wall. Sure. If John Wall has a spectacular series, then the Wizards are gonna win. If he doesn't, the Wizards can still the Wizards can still win the series, but it'll probably take seven games. But as you said, Atlanta just doesn't have that standout play. I know Paul Millsap is there. And he's been involved in trade talks. Could he be traded because he's entering the last year of his contract next year? And you got Dwight Howard and Dennis Schroeder stepped up in the starting lineup without Jeff Teague being there. But I just think the Wizards would take care of business. And at one point, uh, I know Bradley Beal and John Wall saying they're the best backcourt in the league. Well, it's their time to really show it. As you said, Bradley Beal is finally healthy. John Wall's playing well. He was on my fantasy team this year. Playing very well. So I got the Wizards, maybe not as my top sleeper team, but they will definitely make it to the second round to play Boston. And I think that's going to be an entertaining series. I can probably go six or seven games just because of the way Washington can score. Don't forget my man Scott Brooks is coaching the Wizards now. Uh, no more Whitman. Uh, the players came up on Whitman years back. Now they have an actual head coach who can push, push the right buttons. Mm-hmm. I think Washington will be a hard out. But again, if I had to pick a sleeper team, Toronto first. Washington maybe second. I don't see them beating Boston, but they're going to give Boston a run for their money in the second round. All right, let's move over to the West Coast, which some people say is the best coast. Um, just telling you what I heard. Uh, and we got to go to the 1-8 game because where else do you go than, you know, who everyone is picking to win the NBA Finals? But, you know, Golden State. And, uh, I mean, is there any possibility at all that Portland even wins a game, Mo? <sighs> No. Um, <laughs> complete sweep for Golden State. I, I, it pains me to say it because I really like Damian Lillard. Uh, he, he went off, I believe, for like 59 points one night. And it really built his team into that playoff spot. Even though I know it was the Oklahoma City Thunder beating the Nuggets one night that gave Portland the spot. But Damian Lillard really carried that team. And Portland Trailblazers had the ball in their court because they actually had their last, I believe, four games at home. And they needed to win those games. And, and they did. And they were led by Damian Lillard. I really like him in Portland. It's just sad that Portland doesn't have a really good front court. I know they have Nurkic there, but it's not enough. Yeah, he's not hurt. enough to beat Golden State. Um, even Golden State, even though Golden State has a, has a soft middle, just too much scoring. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. It's going to be Golden State all the way in four games. I feel bad for Lillard, but. Uh, stay in the yeah, I'm right there. Lillard, I, I feel like this team is getting worse. He's getting better, and it's not it's not balancing out. This is a kid that grew up in Oakland. He's going to play against his childhood team, and he's going to get swept off the floor. And I don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, Nurkic is hurt. That's going to really put them at a huge disadvantage. And this, But the thing is that we know, okay, so Golden State's going on to the second round. More than likely, they're going to play the Clippers, for instance, let's just say. But is there any player in the NBA that has more pressure on him than Kevin Durant to win an NBA title? Because I don't see it. I think if this guy does anything but win a championship this year, that that him going to Golden State was a complete wash. I mean, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. People came down on him because he made a decision to go to Golden State and he left his sidekick 
Russell Westbrook behind, but I don't think Russell really cares right now. No. But um, yeah, if the Golden State Warriors do not win the NBA Finals, people are going to say, you see, you should have stayed in OKC. And, um, and I, to that, I would say, well, OKC was going to win it anyway either. So yeah. either way, he had a better chance doing it with Golden State than OKC. But um, he also said that he's not going anywhere. He plans on staying with Golden State long, long term. So yeah, if he if Golden State loses, let's say in the Western Conference Finals to the Spurs or in the Finals to the Cavs or whoever, if they if they just to say they don't win the title, people are gonna come down to Kevin Durant. But he's got so much time left. Um, he's not an old guy. I mean, he's two years behind me. He's about twenty nine years old. He'll be fine long term. But he's going to hear it from the fans. He's going to hear it from OKC. He's going to hear it from a lot of people who say, you you totally screwed the season by pushing the balance of power in the Western Conference. And, he, yeah, he's going to hear the angst from guys like Stephen A. Smith who get on TV and say he ruined the season because he made it too predictable. And to them, I say, well, you watching it anyway, so get over it. Yeah. But, yes, he, he's got a lot of pressure. He's got to deliver. Not only does the Golden State Warriors have to win, he has to play pretty well because if he doesn't, they're going to say, well, that's Steph Curry's team, or you know, mm-hmm. that's not Kevin Durant's team. He was just along for the ride. Yeah. So it, he's got to do two things. He's got to win, and he's got to play well. Yeah, I mean that's JaVale McGee's team. I mean that's that's how I see it. I mean whenever I turn on the TV, I'm like, yo, where's, where's JaVale McGee? Oh, man. <laughs> the whole Shaq JaVale McGee thing is so sad. By the way, I'm not gonna even go into it, but the fact that Shaquille O'Neal's uh, mom had to come in and step in and say, "Cut it out!" Like, Ugh. guys, how old are you? Are you are we in high school? Are we 13? Exactly. Eight years old. I mean, come on, let's be serious. But anyway, uh, you briefly spoke about the Clippers mm-hmm. as a hypothetical opponent for the Golden State Warriors in the second round. I actually have the Utah Jazz. Stop I'm, it. I, yeah, Stop I'm kind of leading. I, yeah, I'm kind of leading Utah. Let me explain. Let me explain. The Clippers have just. I, I've picked the Clippers. Maybe I'm a I'm a scorn prediction picker here. Yeah. But I've picked the Clippers to go to like the Western Conference Finals in the past, and they've disappointed me. With Vinny Del Negro, with Doc Rivers, it, does, it doesn't seem to matter who the coach is. There's always something that happens, whether it's an injury to Chris Paul or blowing. They were the quick note: the Clippers were the original team to blow a three-one lead. Remember that yeah. they blew that three-one lead to the Houston Rockets in 2004, the 2015 postseason. Still haven't so come they, back. Come on, yeah. They were the first team to do that. Yep. So. I don't have a lot of trust in the Clippers, and the Utah Jazz, they allow the least amount of points in the league. So you have to look at it. Great defense versus an offense that can score in spurts, but they can have lapses. We could see Houston versus the Clippers all over again. So I'm not too high on the Clippers. I'm going with the upset, Utah and seven. Well, you are ridiculous. I uh, just want to lay that out there. But uh, this could be it for Lob City, as much as it pains me to say. Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, and Blake Griffin, all free agents at the end of this year. Uh, you, I just don't see how you can re-sign all three of those guys. And there was already talk that uh, the Clippers were t- potentially looking at sending J.J. Redick, Jamal Crawford, and a bunch of other bums over to New York for Carmelo Anthony earlier this season. So who knows, maybe we, uh, maybe we revisit that in the coming weeks and months. 
of the NBA offseason. But uh, yeah, it, it's hard, it's painful to watch this team because there's so much potential. There's that killer word there, but it just hasn't meshed uh, on the court. And it's too bad because, you know, as much as I like Doc Rivers, the coach, Doc Rivers, the general manager, and not so good. So uh, yeah, I don't see them losing this round. I could see this going seven. Six is more like it. I see them, uh, you know, winning out this round. There's no way in heck that they are going to get past uh, Golden State next round. But uh, you know, I like my man Kevin Garnett said anything is possible. Uh, don't disrespect the the Eiffel Tower. The okay? Eiffel Tower. Don't disrespect Rudy Gobert. Rudy could be. Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. No, I, I like I like Rudy. I like Gordon Hayward, who's also playing for a contract next season. They got a lot of a lot of nice pieces. Uh, I feel that my man uh, George Hill coming over, solidifying the point guard position, uh, totally giving the boot to Trey Burke. Uh, did did a lot for that team, and I think you know people overlooked that. I mean, this team came a long way. There was a lot of potential headed into the season. I mean, look, was this the first time since 2011 they made the playoffs? I mean, they won 50 plus games. This is a big deal. But I still think that the I think the veteran presence of the Clippers will get them past at least this round and uh, as I said last year around the trade deadline time in the NBA season put it on your calendars Blake Griffin will be in Oklahoma City alongside Mr. Triple Double next season Oh, so he's going to be watching Russell Westbrook put up, I don't know, 40-plus triple doubles in a year? Uh, yep. He's, he's going to be the new spectator? But, yep. But, but, I mean, really, I mean, you. I think people... I think people disrespect Utah because they're not flashy. They're just kind of like they remind me of the old Jazz with uh, with uh, Sloan. It's kind of like they're not too flashy. They don't have a player that's gonna you know put up a triple double every week, you know, every day or every other night or whatever the case may be. They're gonna play good defense. They're gonna grind you down. They're gonna force you to score points in the paint or or shoot bad shots, whatever the case may be. But I I, I really like Utah. And I, not that I watch them every night because they're on the West Coast. But I just think they have a good chance of beating the Clippers. Keep in mind, both these teams come into the playoffs with the same record at 51 and 31, I believe. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's a it's a one-sided battle. I think this is going to be a real tough series. But if the Clippers were to win, Chris Paul's going to have to come up big. I think Chris Paul would have to be aggressive with his scoring just in case that they have some lapses there because we all know the Clippers can have some lapses. Oh, yeah. uh, he's going to have to be consistent with his scoring. But I'm still hanging with Utah at seven. We both see it as a tough series, just going opposite ways. But, you know, we'll see. Either team, whoever wins is going to lose Golden State anyway. But just for the fun of it, yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Utah. But um, on to another series that's going to probably be a sweep. <laughs> San Antonio and Memphis. Uh, I view Memphis like Atlanta. Like, I'm just kind of mm. like, they're just, they're just lukewarm. They're, like, they're consistently in the playoffs, but they're consistently not doing anything once they get there. Yeah. So. It's kind of like they make it and they bow out for a second round. Um, now you got uh, Tony Allen who's going to be out, so your your grandfather, your best defender, probably is going to be out. Uh, Kawhi Leonard having a great year. I know you had your criticisms about Lamarcus Aldridge. Still do. Uh, <laughs> Tony Parker kind of old. Ginobili like fifty five years old. Mm-hmm. I get it, but um, San, um, Memphis has played San Antonio tough during the season, but it's the playoff. T- it's playoff time. Greg Popovic will have his guys ready. San Antonio will sweep Memphis. Uh, I'm going to give one game to Memphis. And speaking of old, Mo had a birthday the other day. Happy 42nd birthday to my <laughs> brother from another mother. Happy belated birthday. We, we should have started the show with a happy birthday. We, we're going to wait till we yep. wait till we talk about San Antonio yep. Memphis. It's happy birthday. I really plan that accordingly, my man. <laughs> By the way, uh, don't let Mike fool you. I'm 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Let's not Plus um, eight. push it. Yeah. 
I mean, relatively young man as infant stage for most people. Something just like saying. that. Yeah, with the geriatric knees. Um, but I mean, honestly, yeah, like you said, Lamarcus Aldridge has not lived up to the contract he signed last year. Uh, I do not love this guy. He is not the second coming of of, of Timmy D. Uh, Ginobili is a thousand. Tony Parker is a thousand and one. I mean, this is an old team. They do have the best two-way player on the planet in Kawhi Leonard, and they will they will win this series in five. But I just I, I don't see them getting getting much further. You know, in the NBA in the NBA playoffs. I mean, uh, for all intents and purposes, we'll talk about the next round. But I, I they're gonna play Houston, and I think Houston will destroy them. And you know, yeah, yeah, I do. I just, I, I just do. We'll talk about Houston in a minute, but I just don't think that there's enough on this team. And I think the big bodies of Memphis with with Gasol and Zebo, I think they're gonna they're gonna take a lot out of them. Uh, you know, even if it is five, it's gonna be a tough five. It's not gonna be easy. They're gonna put the bodies on them. My favorite player, Mike Conley, is gonna do his thing, but it just won't be enough. Um, so yeah, they're just not a deep team, Memphis. So what it is, what it is. San Antonio will move on, but uh, they're gonna need to rebuild in the offseason. Otherwise, you know, this is a team that's headed in the wrong direction. Yeah, fast. How, how dare you disrespect the great Greg Popovich? Mm, that's yeah. like disrespecting Bill Belichick. Like, what is I wrong? Like, with I don't like. I don't like either of them. So yeah. I mean, how? How? Okay, let's let's just move on. Okay, Houston, OKC, right? I'm I'm high on Houston in this series simply because OKC is a one-man band. Mm. Uh, it's Russell Westbrook and his triple doubles versus the world. Yeah. Um, that doesn't work in the playoffs. Triple doubles don't get you wins in the playoffs. So I'm happy for Russell passing Oscar Robinson for the record, 42 triple doubles. That's great. Had a great season. Should win the MVP. But the runner-up, James Harden, has a better team around him, and if you know Mike D'Antoni, his teams love to score, love to shoot threes. Yep. They led the league with uh, three-pointers made per game, 14.4. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen in this series. They're going to rain threes on OKC, and they're going to take the series in five games. It's going to be entertaining to yeah, watch yeah. Westbrook and James Harden on, on the other end. For sure. But this series is going to be more about which team's best defender can slow down the other team's best player. And that's can Patrick Beverly slow down Russell Westbrook? Can uh, Robertson, Andre Robertson, slow down James Harden? Nope. And when I say that is, even if James Harden doesn't have a good game, as I said, this team can shoot the lights out from the three-point land. So that can make up for James Harden's missteps. If Russell Westbrook has a bad game, who's stepping up? Victor Oladipo? Yeah. Uh, the bonus is kid? Yep. I, I don't know. Like, All those guys. They don't have a consistent number two that can put up consistent points. I know Victor Oladipo is a nice player, two-way player. But he's not going to put up 30, 35 points if Russell Westbrook is putting up bricks. It's just not going to happen. Again, OKC and Houston will be an entertaining series. Russell Westbrook will probably have, I don't know, four or five more triple-doubles, have long the series last. But OKC is going to go home, and Houston is going to move on to play San Antonio in the second round. Yeah, I'm going to give OKC one game because I like... Uh, Russell Westbrook. But besides from that, yeah, it's not great. But I saw an awesome, an awesome stat that I just had to throw in. In the same season, uh, 1961-62, that Oscar Robinson averaged his triple double for the season: 28 points, 11 boards, 11, 11 uh, assists. He actually averaged a triple double in the first round of the playoffs, which is amazing that you said that it doesn't necessarily correlate to the playoffs. He averaged a triple double. Uh, against the Detroit Pistons in the first playoff series, which his team actually lost. 
So mm. you are correct in your assessment, but it's amazing to think how how remarkable of a season that Oscar had, and and it'd be amazing to see if if uh, if Russ can actually have uh, a triple double as well in in this round of the playoffs because it would just be that much of a, a pe- you know a testament to how amazing this guy is, but not necessarily enough to advance his team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like don't get me wrong. Like I, I give all the praise, all the praise to Russ. I think he'll average a triple double in this series because he's gonna have to if they gonna if they have a chance to win it. He's gonna have to average a triple double, and I it's just they don't just have enough pieces around him. And I've I've watched games where Russell Westbrook has struggled. He's only a forty two percent shooter from from the field. He's not a good three point shooter. No. So if Houston gets hot from beyond the arc then it's lights out. There's no way OKC is going to come back and win that game. Because, again, they don't have a surefire three-point shooter. Their best three-point shooter is Russell Westbrook. And yeah. the more he shoots threes, the worse that team does. So without that, without that outside shooter, without a sharp shooter there, they, they still have a chance against Houston. Uh, once Houston gets started, it's going to be over. But, again, congrats to Westbrook. He should Again, he should win MVP. And uh, I tip my hat to him because he's a one-man band doing it. And But I will caution and say, look, <laughs> when you have teammates like Russell Westbrook, and I'm not saying they're completely trash. I mean, Enos Kanter is a good part. As I said, Victor Oladipo plays both sides of the court. Steven Adams gives you a presence on the inside. But when you have that type of talent that's not high in scoring or doesn't kind of uh, not too dynamic, you're going to have to put up triple doubles. And that's what he did. He, and he got that team to 47 wins, which is also commendable. But at the end of the day, it's all about those W's, and they're not going to have enough to be used to. Thanks, Mo. Thanks for throwing water on that flame. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Like I, I, one day last week, I went. I was on Bleach Report, uh, the company that um, pays me to write. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> went on, went on their Facebook page, and they posted a picture of Russell Westbrook, basically celebrating his triple double. And I posted a comment. I was, you know, that day I was feeling uh, kind of trollish. Oh, okay. I felt like, I felt like trolling. Mm-hmm. And and the post was up for maybe a minute, so I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be one of the first comments on this post. So I said. Um, Nice season, Russell Westbrook, not going to lead to playoff wins. And people went ballistic. I, I can't believe how many rabid <laughs> Russell Westbrook fans they are. I made one simple comment, which is true, by the way, and people were just coming at me. Like, oh, you're a hater. You are a hater. Congratulate him. You're a bum. Appreciate you're it. nobody. How good are you? You have a fraction of this talent. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What I said was the truth. I mean, truth hurts, but, you know. Shot of my character. Yeah, no, like, come on, let's be serious. I mean, they're not going to serious, people. Don't get butter over that. It's just the truth, but, you know. I, you know what? I'll say this. Russell Westbrook's fans are just as rabid as Kobe fans, and that's scary. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Kobe the Kobe did say that the one player in the NBA that most resembles him is Russell Westbrook. He's the one <laughs> guy that has that killer instinct, so maybe his, van, his fans took a page out of the book and, you know, said that's our guy. They all need to jump off of a boat or something. I'm hop on the LeBron train, people. LeBron is the guy. I understand Russell Westbrook is going to be MVP. He had the greatest season. But LeBron James is the best player in the league. I don't care what people say about Russell Westbrook or James Harden winning the MVP this year. Or even Kawhi. I like Kawhi Leonard, but he is not on LeBron's level yet. LeBron, career high in assists per game, rebounds per game, and that's why we don't have time for it today. But eventually we will get into the topic of we need to create a most outstanding player of the year award versus most valuable player of the year award because they are two completely different things. Without LeBron, Cleveland is not the number two. Without Russ... How much worse is, you know, 
How much worse is that team? I mean, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. But they, I, would it have even mattered? Because this team is not going to get out of the first round anyway. So it, it, It's hard. And, and um, when it comes to the MVP thing, it, as you said, it should be two votes. Because if you think about it, if you take every star player off their team, how good is your team going to be? So, I mean, you can look at win shares and stuff like that. And I just think... You know, just if you're gonna go by the stats, then go by the stats. Mm-hmm. But then, is it relative? Because as you said, LeBron James is a career high in certain statistics. Yeah. So, do you give it to him still? It's it's a tough topic. We're always gonna wrestle with this until they separate it or give you know gives two different awards or whatever. But we all know Russell Westbrook, who again has the triple double record at 42 triple doubles this year. You know he's gonna win the yeah, award. He has to. James Harden. James Harden did make the case that wins me more and James Harden himself I believe had 22 triple doubles and his team has a better record so too bad so sad James (laughs) I mean I like I like I like the way James Harden has came along this year he moved to the point guard position I like him in in Daytona's system he's a killer literally this dude he I believe he was one one point shy of assisting or scoring the most points in you know in a single season I believe he was one point shy of I forgot who, I believe it was Tiny Archibald, who assisted or scored the most points in a single season in a tire, I guess, a single 82-game season. But anyway, Harden, whether he's assisting the ball, distributing, or scoring, he's lethal, and he's going to show in that series, and he's going he's gonna to outshine Russell Westbrook. So all the people caping for him or being the Westbrook stands or Kobe fans or whatever, whatever they are, they're going to be surprised by the way James Harden plays because obviously they haven't. If they've been paying attention to Russell Westbrook, they haven't been paying enough attention to James Harden. And they'll see. They'll find out. Well, They'll find out. You know, it's funny because I'm not surprised because we know Mike D'Antoni. And Mike D'Antoni coached the New York oh, Knicks. Yeah. And when he coached the Knicks, he used Carmelo Anthony as a point forward. And Carmelo Anthony had the ball in his hands, and it was not the type of player that was supposed to distribute. It was a player that was supposed to drive to the hole and take his shot, and if you felt like passing the ball, do so. Well, it didn't work with the Knicks, but you know, it kind of did, because they did win 50 games and made the playoffs. But, you know, eventually it ran its course, and Dan Tony, as soon as things got hard, ran out of New York. But we were here once again talking about the Knicks, because what would an offseason be without the catastrophe in the horrendous relationship that is Phil and Mello. I mean, this should be this should be a comedy. It's on like TNT late at night because it's just so hilarious. Now, Mo, we knew going into today that there was going to be fireworks because Phil just can't seem to keep his P's and Q's, you know, to himself. And I'm not surprised because anybody that thought Phil was going to speak to the media after he met with with Carmelo in his exit interview and not speak his mind was was fooling themselves i i totally expected him to to let us all know exactly how he felt about the relationship going forward with Melo, and he did i mean were you surprised in the least about what he said this afternoon let's put it this way before i go into what he said have you ever had like two friends and maybe you're friends with one person more than the other and they decide to be in a relationship and you know it's not going to work but they try anyway and they're arguing and they're bickering and you're like, just end the relationship already. But they keep trying to make it work. And then finally one person just comes out and says, you know what, this is not going to work. And you're like, duh, it should have ended months ago. Months ago it should have ended. That's how I feel 
about Phil and Melo, and I liked the idea of bringing in Phil Jackson. I thought, okay, yeah, he was a good coach, and this is a different position, but he can draw players in New York City. And I'm like, okay, maybe Melo's turned the corner. Maybe he's becoming more of a team player. This could work. This relationship could work. Well, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I cautioned out. I believe this is on a podcast, an earlier podcast, somewhere in the 30s probably, <laughs> where people came at my head when I said the Knicks won't win 50 games. They did. Well, how, well, how many games did the Knicks win this year, Mike? I, I, I'm just uh, off the like, I, I think it was 29, to be exact. I, I, nowhere near 50. No, Doesn't not matter. so much. Nowhere near 50. Yeah. And I, and I, and I said that again. They're not going to win 50 games. Not even and, close. And I thought maybe they would win in the 40s and make the playoffs, but it just, the bottom completely fell out. Now, I'm going to read you a tweet. This is Phil Jackson today talking to Ian Begley of ESPN. I'm just going to read a couple of tweets, okay? Bear with me. Bill Jackson says the see the team lost a lot of hope and basically their hope descended around the holidays. The holidays meaning, I don't know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. <laughs> so that means the team gave up not even halfway through the season. Nice. That didn't even wait till the all-star break. Nah, why do that? Just just gave up around the holidays. Oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, it's Christmas, so we're just gonna give up. Yeah. They should have gave <laughs> up during like Labor Day. It would have been real early. <laughs> uh, seriously, like, yeah. first of all, I was surprised he actually said that. I'm not. Like, just just going out there and saying, yeah, we, we gave up around the holidays. Two months into the season, it was over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that that just, I don't know, that just baffles me. That, then Phil goes on to say the starters never developed chemistry, consistency to win close games. Duh, because they added how many new starters? Joe Kim Noah, D. Rose. Courtney Lee, it's going to take some time. Obviously, this is what I said earlier, teams are not patient anymore with their rosters. No. They put these guys together, they figure, oh, we'll put three, four, five good players together and just let them play. All right, Mo, where are we, where are we going next? Uh, you get your little victory lap. Uh, um, we didn't do the show. We didn't do. We wanted to do a show, but we didn't get to do a show before the NCAA tournament. I had a. I had my bracket group with uh, yeah, Mike. How'd, how'd you do Mike on that? here. How'd you, how'd you do? Uh, yeah, we, we'll talk about that. Um, we, also, Laura, uh, a Laura listener, was in the group. She did very well. Not, not better than I think someone. She third. No, uh, it was actually fifth, but go ahead. Keep going. What, whatever. She she was pretty good. She hung on until the end. She actually picked Gonzaga to win, and I laughed at her. Yeah. And it turns out that Gonzaga went all the way to the championship game. Was, um, you know, but, shout out to her for that. that um, not sure who picked North Carolina to win. No, they're not. Uh no, I'm not really oh. sure. I don't know who a bunch of random people mm, in the group that so picked maybe North Carolina. Um, I don't, I'm smart, not sure if anyone on this show picked North Carolina. Smart people. <laughs> who on this show picked North Carolina, right? Mr. North Carolina. Mr. Well, uh, yeah, Mo, let's let's for the for clarification purposes. <laughs> I did not come in first, but I did come in a lot better than you. I came in fourth out of sixteen. Laura came in fifth. You came in sixteenth. First of all, first of Dead all, sir, let, let's, if you want to get into truth here, oh, okay. Are we going to go way the, back? At, 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 what, what's that? We're going to go way back? Football season? Yeah, we want to go way uh, back. If we're going to get into truths here. First of all, who? I mean, who knew that 
Mr. Sweaty Shirt Miller, the, the coach of the Arizona Wildcats, is going to let me down again. I'm going to stop putting my bets into Arizona City yeah. because of the coach. You really I'm should. like, come on. Like, yep. Well, you really you always expect every time I pick Carolina, you just think because it's because I'm a homer and I'm a huge Carolina fan. But in all actuality, they they were the best team, and clearly they scared the crap out of me all the way through. You know the final four, but they were victorious. They were you know a, a veteran laden team, and they did their thing, and they're gonna re up and go for it again next year, and you know get get another title for Roy Will but you know let's let's not put the cart before the horse let's enjoy this championship because it was a hard fought uh, you know yeah. hard fought victory Gonzaga played well but you'll always be a mid-major so sad so sad for you but you know Mo who did you have who did you did you have Arizona winning the whole thing absolutely not I had UCLA winning oh. the whole thing and he went down to Kentucky and oh. I, I, was, I knew that was going to be a tough matchup first of all that that region was going to be tough. Oh, yeah, I knew for it was sure. going to be tough. I figured whoever came out of that region would win. Obviously, it didn't happen. But I figured whoever came out of that tough region would be strong enough to take it all away. Obviously not. North Carolina took it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had my chips on, on UCLA. Laura was actually going to go with UCLA, and I picked UCLA, so she switched over to Gonzaga. Uh. But, yeah, that, that's, that, that region, that south region was pretty brutal. Um, Lonzo Ball, I felt, was going to have enough because he's a dynamic player, and then he had other parts with him. And that team was was scoring a bunch, and they just couldn't do it against Kentucky. Kentucky was able to play pretty good defense to slow that team down, and they got the job done. Um, I had tipped my hat to John Calipari. People give him a lot of crap because people think he just gets these kids in and gets them one and done and sends them off to the NBA. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's in the mix. He's actually, people knock him for not being a good coach, but he, he puts town together and he put a good game plan against, game plan together against UCLA and got the job done. Now, they went on to lose against your Tar Heels, yep. which I wish didn't happen, but <laughs> it, they lost by two. They did. Um, what, what, yeah, with that so, shot that shot by Luke May, that ridiculous 19-footer that, you know, he had no right shooting, but it went in. So. Yeah, I mean, you didn't even have that call. No, so. no, no. no. You were even surprised. Even you just said you said you were you had some heart attacks along the way with this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What what was going on with your boy uh, Joe Barry? Oh. I mean, he I don't, his didn't have a good tournament. Joe Barry aside from maybe one game. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got broken ankles. I mean, literally has really bad ankles. Uh, he has terrible shot selection. Uh, but he's from Orlando, so you know I got nothing but love for for Joe Barry the second. He's gonna be coming no back. Wonder. Yeah, he's gonna be coming back for his senior year because nobody in their right mind would draft him, uh, in even in the third round if there was a third round of the NBA draft. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's got a lot of spunk. He's got a lot of lot of spunk to him. I like him. He is what I would call a career college player um, because he's just not he's just not the type of unless he steps up his game like a thousand percent uh he you know any things could happen but uh great for the school he stepped it up when when he needed the most he won you know what final four players of the tournament or whatever they call that that crazy you know accolades uh but i was i was really disappointed in uh miss number number 44 uh i don't even want to say his name because he he did not show up in that championship game whatsoever he will obviously be i think he'll be a lottery pick um mr jackson but uh, yeah, he he was disappointing. Theo Pinson is either you know 
man, he, he drives you crazy too. He gives you, you know, indigestion because he's either all or nothing. That's a lot of what North, North Carolina was all about. I mean, look at look at Kennedy Meeks and, you know, put up 25 points and like 15 boards against Butler and, and you know, playing really, really well, uh, you know, in the final four game against Kentucky and then laying a huge egg against Gonzaga. So uh, that's what they did. They, 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 they got my pulse racing. They got me with, the, with everything just sending my vitals to the roof. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we hung on, and, and we when, when we needed to, we played defense in that last 45 seconds. And that's really – that is what, what it came down to was, was Joel Berry with, you know, making, making important shots at the end and, and stout defense. And, you know, again, um, Gonzaga, nothing to take away from them, but they got in foul trouble. Uh, Collins, who I can't believe is actually going to come out after his freshman year and declare for the draft, he's going to be he's going to put his name in there. And then the big Pollock guy, I'm not sure what was his name, uh, Chris Kay- Chris Kamen. Uh, yeah, Chris <laughs> Kamen. <laughs> I don't get that guy. He just he doesn't do a whole lot. He makes some free throws, but he has no movement whatsoever. And I can't. It's hard to believe. I didn't watch a lot of Gonzaga because no one does. But I, it's hard to believe that they got as far as they did after watching. They got some nice players. They got some guys that will, you know, more than likely get drafted. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, more, it was more of a team effort. I'll give them that at least. Yeah, I, I watched some Gonzaga only because, um, of course, our friend Laura picked them. So I said, oh, there must be something about them. So I decided to watch their first couple of games. And what they had was they had what North Carolina had to a lesser extent. They had length. They're they're a big team. And the guy you called Chris Kamen, which is Mr. Karnowski, um, he was he did he disappointed me in that championship game because if you if you even listen to the commentary, this guy is seven foot, about three hundred pounds. Yeah. All he had to do was get in the paint, score the basketball, and he his shots weren't dropping. Nope. He was very tentative. He would pass instead of put up a hook shot or something. He was just very tentative in the paint. I just didn't understand it. I understand North Carolina had, has also. A team of NBA bodies, yeah. but you gotta at least try to match body with body. And it's like he was—he was shy in the moment. He wasn't sure of himself, and that hurt the team. And then you, um, Nigel Williams Goss had a decent game, but he's—he's he's the guy who carried that team through the first couple of rounds. And then you had Jordan Matthews who had a couple of big three pointers. He had a big three pointer against West Virginia in the Sweet 16 round. Just didn't have a big enough game, and it just—they just looked overmatched that championship in North Carolina again. The bodies that they had, and the. And the the death that they have just overpowered Gonzaga. They, they got the win. Congratulations to them. Thank you. Thank you. And to you, Mike, oh, being, for being a homer. <laughs> but quick question. What, bad or good, what was your biggest surprise in the tournament? And I'll start off with mine. Um, I won't even say Villanova because actually I was kind of iffy on Villanova. Uh, I know Jason Hart is yeah. a great player, but I just I didn't think they had enough this year to come back and repeat. A lot of people had them going to the Final Four. I just didn't really see it. But the big positive surprise, I will say, was South Carolina. That's oh, yeah. where my family's from. Oh. You know, uh, got to go with Sidarius Thorwell. I mean, the guy balled out. He was probably the best player in the tournament up until that team lost to, to Gonzaga. And, I mean, seriously, who had South Carolina getting that far, going all the way to the Final Four? I know I didn't. Yeah. I had them actually losing in the first round. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Um but they were my biggest surprise in a, in a positive sense. I know a lot of people were surprised at Michigan, but I also had them going pretty far. They lost in a round before I had them losing. But I knew Michigan would be pretty good. I knew they would take that momentum they had in the regular season into the playoffs. I'm a little disappointed in Iowa State. I thought they would make it to the final before because they had a very good uh, senior core. Uh, didn't really matter against Purdue. Purdue took it. Um, 
got a, got an earful from your friend Laura because mm. he's a Purdue Boulder maker girl, whatever you want to call it. What are and it's pretty upset about that loss. So uh, <laughs> Iowa State, you let me down. Probably won't uh, put my chips in Ohio State. Ohio State. Iowa State. Iowa or State. or Arizona because sweaty shirt Sean Miller. Yeah. Can't coach a basketball team. Nope. I mean, you don't give the ball to your best player in the final minutes. What's what's up with that? Seriously. True story. No, it, uh, I mean, you got to look at Kansas and say, well, yeah, I mean, they got to the Elite Eight, but, you know, they should have played a lot better. Number one seed. I like, uh, you know, you got to look at those middle middle round teams. You look at Xavier and you look at, like, Michigan, you said, and even Northwestern. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of feel-good stories on teams that, you know, necessarily – shouldn't have been there i mean you know again duke did their typical you know well we're gonna play really well we're gonna win the acc tournament and we're gonna bow out pretty quickly in the tournament i mean you know it's never really a surprise uh from a duke team that plays well during the regular season because they just can't seem to sustain it you know when it really matters most and maybe that's just a north carolina fan of me saying that but you know i i I do yeah i do respect coach k but uh I, you know, I, don't, I just I don't get it sometimes with, with with a couple of the players. And again, Louisville's the same. I know I, it's just a lot of teams that kind of underachieved in this tournament. It was all in all, it wasn't a great tournament. I know it was a great outcome for me, uh, but but it was not a very enjoyable uh, a tournament to watch. I mean, from from a, just a purely a, a fan, a spectator's kind of viewpoint. I mean, all in all, the basketball was meh. The officiating was really meh. So, you know, uh, we'll see. Hopefully it gets better. Hopefully the NCAA will make some kind of referendum to, uh, to better choose the officials or, or come to some kind of understanding that we need to let the kids play. Uh, you can't, you got to swallow your whistles every once in a while because that, that, that game, especially the second half of that game, was brutal. I mean, you know, 20 minutes took almost an hour and a half, and it was insane. Uh, we need St. John's to get back into the mix. Like, I, I know, like, yes, I'm a St. John's alum, and I know St. John's, like, hasn't made to the tournament since, like, we're on our test. Mm-hmm. I'm joking. No, it's But I'm in <laughs> St. John's, like, do I need to get back? Do I need to go back to the school, put on the shorts? What? Put on the jersey. The John Stockton shorts? Do I need to do that? I don't. I don't. The, the kids need me to come back there and either play or coach. Do I need to be a player coach? Please. Because St. John's needs to get back in the mix, and I'm tired of seeing them not make the tournament or go into the NIT moves. I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. St. John's, get with the program, people. Chris Mullen, call me. I'll coach part time <laughs> player. You know whatever you need me to do because I don't look 31. Nope. You look I know. 41. I know this is audio for you guys. You're listening to me on your iPod or your whatever, your computer, your phone, wait, whatever. Wait, wait, you but said I, I look 31. Nobody listens on an iPod because this is not 2003. So, first of all, you are old because you said iPod. <laughs> if, you're listen, right. if you're listening to me right. on your transistor radio, uh, tune to 97.9 FM. I mean, what are you talking about? Listen, all right? Listen to me, okay? If you are listening to me on your gadgets, Good for you? On, on your, your gadget. On your 8-track. <laughs> exactly. If you're listening to me, I do not look like I'm 31. I look like I'm about 22. I can still pass for a senior. If Maybe get, I can get St. John's yeah. one year, get the Giants one good year, get them back into the tournament. Oh, my and goodness. you, sir, will be watching me and, and March Madness do my thing like I was 10 years ago. If you, got, my thing. If you got cataracts, Mo looks like he's 12. Otherwise, <laughs> he looks like he's 55. <laughs> the hate 
hate is so real. See what happens when you turn 31 and you look good? The hate is so real. It's palpable. Oh, my God. It's palpable over the airwaves. It's so palpable. Well... On that note, let's talk about some more good stuff that's going on in New York, and I don't mean the St. John's Johnny's or the Red Storm or whatever the heck they're calling themselves these days. Let's talk about New York baseball because it is baseball season. The Mets, the Yankees, I mean, it's a feel-good story right about now because both teams are playing really well. The Mets are playing better, but... Wow, come on. We're, We're 10 games into the season. Relax. Just saying they are playing better. I mean, better? I mean, let's be honest. The Yankees are without their best player, Gary Sanchez, who's going to miss the next month with with bicep, uh, a right bicep strain, which is never good, but, you know, it could have been worse. Uh, They're they're still without Didi Gregorius, who hasn't played all season after injuring himself in the World Baseball Classic, which I despise the fact that we had players there playing. And even though USA won, won the gold medal, was very happy for, for our boys, uh, we're still so a little disappointed that, you know, we go to a glorified exhibition series and we have players that are not getting paid from the country, but rather getting paid by their clubs and can now not play for said club. So that that, that made me rather angry. But, but again, injuries are part of the game. Just like Matt Harvey went and covered first base the other day and pulled up lame with what might have been a groin or a hamstring or, or something because Matt Harvey just doesn't know how to stay healthy. Now, does he, Mo? Uh, we won't talk about that, but, you know, oh, oh, okay. injuries happen. I mean, what, yeah. what do you want? I mean, you, it is. What do you it, want them to do? I, I want, I want you guys to, to stretch a little more. That's all I want them to do most. <laughs> so, so, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Dr. Kellen, you're alone. We need to stretch a little more. It's you really do. Fun. You really do. Well, I mean, you know, again, the Yankees won tonight, so they're six and four. The Mets, I'm not really sure what's going on. I think as of right now, they're seven and four, so maybe they pulled this game out. So you're only percentage points better. So first of all, relax, okay? But quick, quick note though, mm-hmm. I, I have a former math teacher who posted this on his Facebook, and he said, now he would know because obviously he was watching the games. I was just born, but he said the Mets this year remind him of the '86 Mets. I'm just saying, just putting that out there. Now, Mike, I don't know how old you were at that time. I was three. I was 20 three, or I was something three, like that. I was that three, time, thank you old. very much. Three. <laughs> so you probably didn't watch the, the 86 Mets. Now, this guy is in his 90s. 40s. So 40s. He, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. And he says that this team reminds him of the 86 Mets. And if you remember what the 86 Mets did, yeah, well, then you know that that's a good sign. I remember that Bill Buckner should have fielded that ground ball in Game 6 of the World Series, and Mookie Wilson got on on an error, and that's the only reason you guys won in Game 7. That's why I remember. So, But he didn't field it. So what are we talking about here? What we're talking about but is it's too early to compare 11 games to uh, <laughs> 1986. I mean, come on. You can't even talk about, like, percentages and averages and home run totals 11 games since the season. So I need your professor of microeconomics to be easy for a minute. I mean, hey, damn. I'm just, I'm just saying that if you live through it, you got a right to talk about it and compare it because he actually saw it with his own yeah, eyes. Well. You were three years old. You knew nothing about sports. Greatness was just born in the world for me, so we, we didn't see it. He did, so I I tend to lean on him, right. being the guy who's experienced. He says 86 Mets. Now, if the Mets wind up winning, 
We better revisit this podcast. I hope so. Episode episode forty three, where your crazy professor claimed that the Mets were better in nineteen eighty (laughs) six than they are in what are we twenty seventeen? So yes. Yes, Hey, I'm just saying he's got an early eye for you know a good baseball team, and this is a guy who's been watching baseball for a very long time. Just put that up. All right. Well, hey, you know more more credit to the Mets. They're playing without Stephen Matz, who is out for an indefinite amount of time with with continued shoulder inflammation. Uh, not a good sign. But Syndergaard's pitching well. Wheeler seems to be back, although he hasn't pitched more than about five and a third innings. So uh, we'll see how far the Mets let him go. And again, they're playing without Jerry's familiar, who is suspended for the first fifteen games of the year following that domestic uh, battery incident uh, last off season. So again, there's there's a lot of positives that can come out. David Wright still hasn't come back. Uh, obviously, he's still battling that uh, spinal stenosis. Jose Ray is not hitting. So, again, there's for both New York's teams, there's a lot of good that could be coming in the near future. Uh, and, again, coming off to, you know, starting the season on, on a winning record, it, it can only get better, hopefully. Uh, but, again, it's a long season. So much like I would tell Professor of uh, – uh, whatever he studies, uh, it's um, it just re- just take one game at a time because by mid mid July both teams could be out of it. So you know, let's just let's just count our blessings. You you want to take an early stab at who's gonna uh, finish with a better record between the Mets and the Yankees? Just I know what you're gonna say already, but no, no, no. For all intents and purposes, the Mets should finish with a better record than the Yankees, just like they did last year. But you only finish better with a better record by like three games. So we are in the midst of a complete rebuild, but we are still doing quite okay as you know in regards to their rebuild. You guys, let's be honest, you should be contending. You have you have you know the same team that you had basically when you went to the World Series. What now three years ago? So. Yeah, you, let's let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. So I don't expect. I, look, this year's is it's, it's still it's a it's a year to evaluate the Yankees where we're going to go. We have the number two farm system in all of Major League Baseball behind the Atlanta Braves. I fully expect this team to you know miss the postseason, but you know not by a lot. Most much like they did last year, stay in contention well into September, uh, and and by 2018 and 2019 be right back in you know in the hunt for October and you know maybe sign a free agent or two. Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, who knows? And all these kids that we've got coming up through the farm system are finally ready to take that next step and, you know, lead this team back to where it should be. And by that time, the Mets will be on the downward side. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Whoa, where did that go with oh, Okay, I was with you until you just throwing shade. Hey, you gotta, but, be um, so saying, gotta be quick. Gotta be quick. You're not saying 86 Mets, but you're saying maybe 2000 Mets, 2015 Mets? 2000, which is yeah, I mean, hey, again, that was a year that all the pitching stayed healthy. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what the Mets are built on, is, is pitching and defense. Their hitting is spotty, they're hitting, it's, it, but you don't need, you don't really need you know, great hitting. You need timely hitting. That's what baseball is all about. You win championships on pitching and defense. Uh, you know, maybe make a trade or two, you know, come the July trade deadline. Who knows? But but you guys have to stay healthy. The bullpen has to stay healthy. Addison Reed has done a really good job in place of Familia. He'll slide back to that, you know, that setup role. And, you know, everything could be good. If Matt comes back, he fills in. You know, you guys, you know, you're still figuring out what to do without Bartolo Colon. But, uh, but again... They're on the right track, but uh, you just you just can't can't account for injuries. So uh, you know anything is possible from now until the end of the season, 162 games. But I wish you guys all all the best, and uh, hey, I have no problem with the Subway Series. 
I, I was just trying to get you to say something good about the Mets without saying something negative, and it finally worked. Yeah. I, I just wanted to end on a good note. There you but, go. Um, You're welcome. One, one thing that a fan base has nothing good to say about, the Raiders to Vegas, it finally Ooh. happened. Uh, in our early episodes, we probably talked about the Raiders to Vegas in, I don't know, half of them, and yeah. it just seemed like it was moving so slowly, and finally the 31 vote came at, in the offseason to approve the Raiders to go to Vegas. Obviously, fans not happy about it. Mark Davis, the owner, is trying to keep the team there for the 2017-18 seasons. I will be going to at least two playoff games, or playoff games, but two games. Hopefully, one of them is a playoff game in Oakland before they move and pack up and go to Vegas or wherever they're going to play in 2019, which is undecided at this point. They could play in Qualcomm Stadium, where the Chargers were playing before they moved. Uh, they could be playing in Levi Stadium and a bunch of other, I guess, college or memorial stadiums in california but for now they're going to be open for the next two years uh marshawn lynch just agreed in contract terms with the Raiders, but the seahawks still own his rights so they have to execute a trade for him we'll see what happens there but ian rapaport reports that it, it will probably happen a trade between the raiders and the seahawks in the coming days so that's something to celebrate on the backdrop of this vegas thing happening is that the raiders have a pretty good team they're coming off the 12 and 4 season now you got Marshawn Lynch, Derek Hart. Derek Hart, even though he broke his fibula, he's healthy, ahead of schedule. And all the players, when, he, when you interview every Raiders player, they talk about this season. They talk about their number one goal is to deliver a Super Bowl to Oakland before they leave from Vegas. So there's a lot of added pressure. I mean, every team strives to win a Super Bowl every year, but there's a little extra there for the Raiders to win it, only because we know they're definitely moving to Vegas. Um thing with Vegas is, uh, from right here, it's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. So those uh, black and silver uniforms are mostly black may not fly in the summer months. So you may see a lot more if they can choose uh, white and silver. I know when they had the color rush, they had the all white and silver. And if people didn't like it, they liked the black. But when they go to Vegas, there's going to be a reason why they're going to opt to go with the light colors to reflect the sunlight and that 110-degree heat in the summer months. Well, I said it all along last year. It was a shame that, you know, uh, Derek Carr got got hurt because I honestly thought they were the one team that could have challenged New England because I despise New England and I would love to seen anyone there except for New England. But you know, again, we just talked about the Mets. You can't, you just can't plan for injuries. So this is a team that you know, adding a, a bulldozer type runner, you know, losing Latavius Murray and adding a guy like Marshawn. Obviously, the trade still needs to be worked out between the teams, which you would think would be done before you work out personal agreements. But uh, it's the fourth best offensive line in the game, so I mean, it's a gonna it's gonna be a good step. But you actually read something today that you posted on Twitter, and you were dead on that this is not gonna be a guy that's gonna touch the ball 20, 25 guy, times a game. They're still gonna yeah. use their backups. They're still gonna use the kids that they just drafted. So you know, hopefully the team does that. They, they obviously you want to have a, a, a bell cow. You want to have the type of guy that's gonna you know be able to get those big time goal line stance carries. But you know he can't. He's not. He's not. 21 he's 31 so you know you got to use him sparingly and, and you know you got to you got to be able to to support him and, and you know Derek Carr's got to be he- got to be healthy that's the big thing you know he he's fine he's young he'll bounce back but you just got to hope that the defense which at times again let's be honest last year was still a little shaky uh you got to hope that they yeah they got to play a little bit stronger uh to be a Super Bowl caliber team because you know like you said this is a two-year window ish it could be shorter it could be longer but uh but again in that tough afc west 
to make a move, you know, Denver's going to reload. San Diego's going to be a little better. Kansas City's going to be the same. And there's plenty of other teams that they got to get through to get to the Super Bowl. They got to play at a higher overall level than they did even before Derek Carr got hurt. Yeah, I think a lot of people are drinking the Marshawn Lynch Kool-Aid today, and rightfully so. Something again, something to be excited about from the season after the whole Vegas news. But again, as you noted, as I said on Twitter, he's only going to touch the ball maybe twelve times as a ball carrier. He's more of a finisher, and you want you want him more for the playoffs. Sure. The Raiders do make the playoffs. You want him to be refreshed so that when the playoffs happen, you have a banger. A guy who's going to score touchdowns, move the chains to first downs on third and short, and I think he'll be that. Um, I don't think I think people are expecting a lot from him. He's again, he's he's not a young guy. He's not in his mid twenties. Yes, he had a year off, but that could also work against you because your body has to get used to getting hit again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're going to do during the season. They're going to slowly up his workload as the season goes on, just to get his body ready for the hits for the you know for the grind. And then you also got practices and things of that nature. It's not all about game day. A lot of the players they walk away from the game. Because they don't want to go to practice anymore. They don't want to have to go through that grind of playing through injuries. Because we all know 90% of the players are hurt once they get to the postseason. Yeah. And Marshawn Lynch is not going to be any different. So, with the Raiders, I think I think they get pretty far in the upcoming season. Now, as you said, you were a little generous. Their defense flat, flat out sucked. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> trying to be nice, I'm not going to even lie. <laughs> like, they need to revamp their whole linebacking court. They didn't sign Zach Brown, who was a coveted linebacker. Missed on him. Malcolm Smith went, went elsewhere. He's an average linebacker. So the Raiders, they have eight draft picks. I expect six or seven of those draft picks to be on defense because wow. their offense is set. Derek Carr is there. He's healthy. They got their wide receivers, Mari Cooper, Michael Crabtree. They signed Cordero Patterson, who's going to be in the slot with Seth Roberts. They just they just agreed to terms with Marshawn Lynch, and they have two running backs behind them. They have maybe the t- one of the top two offensive lines in the league. There are there are no problems on offense. They even added a tight end. They added Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. So there is absolutely no problems about their offense. It's their defense. They need to be able to stop somebody because as good as the offense is going to be, they can't just score 50 points on everybody. They can't just score 40, 40 30, 35 points on, on every team they play. They're going to have to play some defense and defense is going to have to come through at certain points. They need to add some parts alongside Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin and hopefully their cornerbacks get with the program Hopefully they do that in the draft. But speaking of the draft, a uh, quick thought about the draft. It's, uh, we're under two weeks away. The Browns are actually contemplating whether they should draw whether they should draft Miles Garrett or Mitch Trubisky. I'm sorry, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, Mitchell. 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 Sorry about that. But yeah, um, Mitch. Mitchell. Sorry, whatever you want to be called. Should not be the number one overall pick. Nope. Ron Jaworski said this on ESPN that none of the quarterbacks in this draft class should be drafted number one. Therefore, if you draft Miles Garrett, whose head and shoulders above the rest, draft him, upgrade your pass rush, and then you get a quarterback with your 12th overall pick. Remember, the Browns have two first-round picks. So it's not like they're going to miss out on a quarterback in the first round. They don't pick him first. They can do it with the 12th pick, and I hope they do. Apparently, Hugh Jackson likes Miles Garrett, but the analytics crew, the nerds yeah. in that front office, they like Mitchell Trubisky. So, um, yeah, go with the football guy, Hugh Jackson. Listen to him, you guys, in your in your suits and your plastic pencil holders or whatever you got there. Uh, stay away from the quarterback. Get Miles Garrett. First of all, I want to be called Latavius Calendrillo from now on. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Not Michael. <laughs> 
I secondly, I hope I hope Cleveland takes Mitchell because I don't want the Jets to take Mitch at number six because if they do, then I don't understand what Hackenberg, what why he was chosen last year last year in the second round, and I don't understand why Bryce Petty was chosen in the fourth round years before that, and I don't really understand anything the Jets do. Like releasing Brandon Marshall or why the Giants signed everybody that the Jets released this past year. I mean, really? Yeah. Like, was there just like a was there like a Uber that drove everybody from one practice facility to the other? Because <laughs> Nick Mangold. I mean, there I, there was a lot of guys that can't even remember them all that just went from one New York team or New Jersey team, sorry, to the other. So. I mean, Smith. How could you forget? Yeah, I'm sorry. Again, there was a lot of guys. I think there was like a long snapper that switched teams. But all in all, um, if the Jets take a quarterback at six, I mean, there's so many deficiencies on that Jets team right now. The quarterback, I can honestly say, is it's not going to make a difference. I mean, it doesn't matter if you take Mitchell or you take – I mean, it, it, even if you take Watson, it just doesn't matter. None of these quarterbacks, and if you listen to all the people that know a lot about football, say that there's not a quarterback that is going to be a game-changer franchise builder or rounder type of quarterback maybe next year maybe when a guy like josh rosen somebody comes out like that you know i'm sure there'll be other guys that pop up but i don't want the sean kaiser and i'm a notre dame fan i don't want any of these guys i stick with what we got you even you look you signed mccown i don't like him but you know it's, it's a building block to hopefully hackenberg can do something in training camp maybe petty shows some glimpses like he did last year against san francisco when he when he carried the team back in the fourth quarter to a victory who knows but you need a running back you need a you need another receiver because there's even talk they might cut decker uh, you need secondary help. I mean, what don't you need if you're the New York Jets? Oh, oh, you don't need another rookie quarterback. That's what you don't need. The Browns, the Browns should trade back. They should, they should trade with Tennessee, who's got you know what is it a fifth and a, and a seventeen or something like that. They should trade with them because there's talk that Tennessee wants to come up and draft Miles Garrett. So obviously they need that linebacker. They need that outside presence. That would be a great pick for them. But who knows? I mean, there's so much talk and, and possibility, and more than likely, more than likely, Cleveland will take Trubisky. I mean, it's just this is what Cleveland does. They're the New York Jets of the Midwest. So I mean, we they have no idea what they're doing, and it'll just be twenty more years of terrible football. I mean, you know what? I I wouldn't be mad if the Jets took Deshaun Watson if they really believed in him and felt like they were going to start him right away. But they're not. Uh, if I had to take a pick, though, if, if I had to take a pick, though, I would draft Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And just say, okay, yeah. get a running back who's a bruiser who can handle the hits because he's going to take a lot of hits in his first couple of years. Pair him up with Matt Forte and just go ground and pound Rex Ryan days. Yeah. Build the offense around a very conservative offense until you find who your quarterback is because, as you said, and as I said, and as a lot of other people have said, you don't want to draft the quarter overdraft on a quarterback in this draft because that talent isn't there. Now, if the Jets stink for another year, they can get Sam Donald out of, I believe, USC, who's probably yeah. going to be a top prospect soon. Uh, they can think about that. But uh, if you want, if the Jets want to get another quarterback, it, as you said, it just doesn't make sense because you drafted Hackenberg in the second round last year. And typically, when you draft a quarterback in the second round, you're telling your team that he's going to be the guy eventually. Now, I read some reports out of the New York Daily News from Managed Meta that the players didn't really believe in Christian Hackenberg based on what they saw in the practice field. Now, these are the players that actually play football, and they, they actually know what they're talking about and know what they're seeing, and they had no faith in Christian Hackenberg. And my thing is, if the players can see he couldn't play, how come the scouts, how come general manager couldn't see this? Yeah, and, and I, I get that, but the, we saw that Jared Goff couldn't play on, on Hard Knocks on HBO, and, and you had to play him. 
I mean, I understand it's a difference between a first overall pick and a second round pick, but you still have to at least trot the guy out there for a couple of games and see what he has. I mean, even Geno Smith, who was a second round pick, got his fair share of games. So before I'm ready to completely throw this guy overboard, at least put him on the field. Okay, I understand he wasn't ready in his rookie season. Neither was Jared Goff. Uh, but you got to see what he has before you completely whitewash the slate and go go again. I mean, it's tough because you, you think like, well, why didn't Bill Bradley, who had him in Penn State, you know, way back when, why didn't he take him when he had the chance to in the second round a couple picks before the Jets? So there's a lot of discourse there, and I think a lot of that stems from, you know, the instability in the front office. But if Todd Bowles wants to keep his job and the GM wants to stay with the team and, you know, everything wants to – potentially build to 2018 when reportedly the Jets could have close to, what, $80 million in open cap space. If you want to build towards that, you have to at least make some forward progress. Now, will they win more than three games this year? Well, probably not. It doesn't matter who starts. I mean, Steve Young could come out of retirement uh, circa 1998. We're not going to win more games than three. But you've got to at least make forward progress. You can be a bad what is it, 3-13 and 13 type of team. I mean, it is possible. You have to at least be competitive. That's that's the problem, and that's the thing I don't really – I don't think that right now the way this team stands, I don't see happening. I could be proved wrong, proven wrong, and I would love to be proven wrong, but I just don't see it happening. So, I mean, thank God we've got like five or six months till training camp because it's going to get ugly. I'm sorry, Mike. I don't don't kill us with too much optimism for the Jets here. You're, you're sounding a little too optimistic well, here. When they, when they cut they cut their best receiver, my optimism went out the window. I understand he's going to be you know 33, and I understand he was making a lot of money. But Eric Decker, we don't know if he's going to be healthy to start the season. And Quincy and Nunwa totally disappeared in the second half of the season last year. So who's anybody going to throw the ball to next year? Because we don't have a tight end. Uh, Bilal Powell, is he just going to be Mr. Fix-It, Mr. Do-It-All, Mr. I'll-Play everywhere on the field? I mean, because right now he's your only weapon. And, you know, you put you stack a bunch of guys in the box and you're going to stop them. Well, I know that the general manager just said that he would prefer to trade down to acquire more picks, which is a smart move because sure. when you have a really bad team, mm-hmm. the, the goal is to acquire as much talent as you can. I, I don't know if they're going to do that because they said uh, Sheldon Richardson would only – get probably a fourth round pick because yeah. of his off the field issues and the fact that he's been vocal about wanting a hundred million dollar extension. That's crazy. Yeah. Um so he he killed his trade. He killed his trade value basically. So the Jets are stuck with him unless they want to get him a, a mid round pick. I don't know. They're just in a bad way and it's 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 sad because the Jets were ten and six at one point, yeah. I believe two years ago. Yep. And now they they don't have a quarterback. Because they put their faith into Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I said they shouldn't have done. Nope. And they cut a whole bunch of old people. And Darrell Rivas completely flatlined. Yeah. And it just went sour so quickly for the Jets. And they're just going to have to rebuild it from scratch. You would just hope that Todd Bowles and their GM just have enough time to rebuild it. Because at this, at this point, it's going to take them at least two years to even just get back at maybe a 500 record. You know, they're going to be at the top of the draft next year again. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it happening. Yeah, and I'd rather wait till then to potentially take a quarterback. But that's what we got to say, and that's what the Jets won't do. But you know what? You know who's not starting at scratch? That's us, the Mike and Mo Show. We're still at it, episode 43. We're going to have a lot more coming. 
in the coming weeks, the coming months. Of course, you can hit us up on Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. You can hit us up on Twitter, same handle, Mike and Mo Show. Go on, share us, like us, listen to us on Stitcher, as always. Mo, it's been a pleasure getting back in the saddle with you. Um, it's, been, it's been too long. I look forward to doing many a more episode with you. And um, yeah, man, it's just good to hear your voice. And, and people, I mean, really, dust off those iPods if you have to. <laughs> if you don't have an iPhone, if you don't have a computer, if you got to do it. Don't feel embarrassed. If you got to dust off the iPods, listen oh, to the microphone show, man. please do it because we appreciate it. We need those listens. Yeah. And as Mike said, we're not starting over. We're coming right back. Yeah, so go to your local pawn shop. Make sure you can buy an iPod for like $7. <laughs> and if you can find a cord to plug it in to charge it, you can listen to us there. Although I don't know if they get Wi-Fi. So it's debatable. But regardless, I'm Mike. He's Mo. Episode 43 is in the books. We'll be back soon. Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram, Mike and Mo Show. And until next time, be good, be kind, and don't forget to rewind your iPod.